0: back with episode five this is c3 i'm your host colin and i'm jordan grab a cocktail and have a seat while we talk about some crime and our crippling depression jordan you got anything for crippling depression today
1: so i have no depression but i do have a good thing so someone at my job left so i've been working at another location to kind of help with coverage and i got an edible arrangement in his place so i'm pretty happy about it i got a free little fancy fruit I, what about you? I,
0: I partook in some of said <laughs> fancy fruit um so i also don't have anything necessarily bad to talk about like it's bad for the person and not for me um so Love that. there's listen this human being mm-hmm. is on the list of the top 10 people in the world that i despise and they got arrested the other day like i don't like them enough that i put five extra dollars in my friend's Graduation card when I gave her money so that way I could fight him at her graduation party, but they didn't show up. So,
1: is it heroin at eleven or is it somebody else? <laughs> no, it's
0: somebody else. Okay. So, um, I have an article to read. And it I'm says, so excited. I'm ready. Sykesville man charged with invasion of privacy for allegedly taking photos of men in public restrooms. What the fuck? So this is from like my hometown. It's so fucking we good. Loved the class. So I knew you were classy. It says. A Sykesville man is facing 29 misdemeanor counts of invasion of privacy for allegedly taking photos of men without their knowledge in public restrooms. Austin Marsico, 24, was charged by Sandy Township police after an encounter with him on January 6th at the Pilot Travel Center. According to the affidavit, a man using the restroom noticed a cell phone slide from a neighboring stall onto his side, and the person using it was trying to take a photo of him. This victim left the stall and knocked on the door of the other stall where the phone was located. Unable to make contact, the victim left the room and waited outside with another man for the suspect to exit. Once he came out, there's a verbal, it says confirmation, but I'm assuming it means confrontation, with the two men and the suspect, which continued into the parking lot. The victim was able to get a photo of the suspect's license plate as he drove away. He tried following the suspect, but police advised him to return to the travel center. A staff member of the business found a cell phone hidden behind one of the toilets in the restroom, which matched the description (laughs) of the phone given by the victim. The suspect returned to the site and went back into the restroom. When he came out, police spoke with him, asking if he had been there 20 minutes before and if he was involved in an altercation with the two men. He confirmed that he had... The suspect, identified as Marsico, said he came back because he left his phone in the restroom. He advised he was parked at another business across the street and only walked back over for his phone. He was taken to the other business by police and allowed to drive back to the center marsico was given his miranda warnings and agreed to speak with the officers he denied taking any photos of the victim and having any any images of this type on his phone but he gave permission for police to check his cell phone and unlocked it for them an officer was then reportedly able to find a multitude of photos of people in bathroom stalls which appeared to be in public restrooms the images shown people in a state of undress and partial nudity as such would be associated with using a restroom Marsico denied taking any photos of the victim at this location, but admitted to using his phone camera to view images of him while in the bathroom stall. The other photos, Marsico said, were taken at other times at the Travel Center and at Planet Fitness in Sandy Township. Further investigation concluded some of the photos were taken at Walmart on Industrial Drive. In a follow-up interview, Marsico Stated the photos were taken between mid-December and January 6th, with the purpose of gratifying his sexual desires. According to the criminal complaint, in total, 14 victims were found in the photos with police, only able to identify four of them. On Friday, Marsco waived his right to a preliminary hearing during centralized court, sending the case on to the Court of Common Pleas. He is free on $10,000 unsecured bail. I would just like to let you know that he already deleted his Facebook account and instagram and it's just like this is a case of karma getting someone who deserves karma
1: do you know how bad it has to be for the police to recognize what walmart bathroom it is though
0: probably but he also probably he told them what location these pictures were taken at that's just like i don't even understand insane like i'm not gonna king shame or anything be into whatever you're gonna be into don't do that to
1: people yeah
0: don't consent is key here
1: Mhm. Well, okay. Shahoodle. Uh,
0: yeah. So I woke up to that at like 3 a.m. My brother had sent that <laughs> shit to me, and I was like, "Yo, this is like the best thing I could have read at uh, this time in the morning." Oh my god. And
1: That's insane. Yeah. So
0: everyone, do with that information what you will, especially those that live in that town. Um. And and go to that planet of fitness. Ho- <laughs> that part. Hopefully, <laughs> they're <laughs> able to identify. The remaining 10 victims that they weren't able to. Mm. And hopefully they also get justice for.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Yeah.
0: That's ridiculous.
1: Um, and he's out on bail?
0: Yeah, he's out on bail. That's
1: crazy. hmm
0: It's like. Mm, mm, not good. And also, oh, like, Lord. how are you going to be not be. Like, you're just going to get caught mid sliding the phone. And then when someone knocks on the stall, you're just going to.
1: Pretend you're not
0: there. <laughs> no one's home.
1: And me working at Walmart hiding in the family restroom when people would knock. Just don't respond. They'll never know what you're in there.
0: That part. Um, so this is our episode where, so every four episodes we are going to do whatever the fuck we want for an episode. And that could, so that means me and Jordan can come into this and each have something completely different. We can have shit that just happens to be the same. But it's just going to kind of be all over the place and since jordan went first during the last episode i'm going to go first this time and uh since i talked about how i would like to start um covering cryptids for this uh i have decided to start kick off that before it goes to patreon on here and i'm gonna be covering skinwalkers
1: (gasps) don't say their name
0: I just said it. You can't say their name. I just said it, though.
1: Oh, uh, we got to come up with something catchy. Other people use flush pedestrians, so we can't use that. Um, oh, my God. We have to come up with a name. You can't <laughs> say their name. That, like, invites them in your life. Colin! Oh, my God. Okay, oh, I'm so. going to die on my way home now. Thank you. <laughs> if I'm dead and this never makes it to air, it's all his fault. Um,
0: we we can go ahead and just stick with the flush pedestrians Okay. That thank
1: you. I don't remember who came up with that name, but thank you for your civil duty. Appreciate you. Kisses. Hit it okay. with the flush pedestrians. So I'm going to
0: <laughs> attempt to be... Uh, so this was very vague because I have a long story to read after this. It's a encounter that oh, okay, cool. someone posted online. So all of this is coming from the Cryptids Wiki. And I would also like to say, say off the top that because this is the first time I've actually done like actual research on uh, flesh pedestrians, they uh, apparently aren't even cryptids they're actually witches in the indigenous tribes I want to say. If I say anything wrong someone feel free to correct me. And I will then take said corrected information and speak it on the next episode for anyone else to hear. But it's a lot of the stuff that I read was specifically from the Navajo Mm -hmm. tribe. I don't know if they're exclusive to the Navajo tribe or if it's widespread amongst indigenous people in america mm-hmm. however um so i'm gonna just give you guys basic info on what they are how they kind of exist and like how they operate and then i'm gonna go into a rather lengthy story that i found on reddit and then i'm gonna I hand it off to jordan reddit story, oh yeah not gonna lie. i didn't even finish it um love me some i sleep. i'll that. finish the i'm gonna be finishing the second half with all of you so in indigenous legends a flesh pedestrian is a person with the supernatural ability to turn into any creature it desires in some stories it requires that the flesh pedestrian wear a pelt of the animal though it is more commonly not the case as it would make it obvious that they are a flesh pedestrian um indigenous people do not like talking about them because it is believed that it could cause them to hunt down the person mentioning them uh i will be the Next target, because I said the <laughs> you word. You
1: express dialed yourself mm. up there. You said beep 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 beep. Hello, it's me.
0: <laughs> so, for how to become a flesh pedestrian, and there's a word here that I do not want to pronounce because I'm just not even about to butcher this language. And but it stands for he goes on all fours. Mm-hmm. So they are practitioners of witchery that have broken cultural taboo. It is done via a dance slash song ceremony used to curse instead of to heal not every witch is a skinwalker I said it but every flesh pedestrian is a witch so it's like yeah, there are witches that practice good magic and then there are witches that practice bad magic and then become flesh pedestrian but it's
1: like willow and buffy when she's like a good witch and then she goes like dark magic kind of concept in in theory yes so so like they
0: have to break certain cultural taboos amongst the indigenous people i'm sure it goes tribe to tribe i would love to do more research and learn more about it um so the possible appearance they are believed to be hairy in their human form often wear animal pelts navajo described them as a perfect version of the animal in question so
1: like you wouldn't be able to tell them apart from like another wolf or something maybe
0: um i couldn't i didn't quite understand what that meant but they're also said to have like glowing eyes even in Mm -hmm. human form Mm -hmm. and like that's like way out there from what an animal would so and they're just said to behave very weirdly like different from normal people. Just the vibes off. Yes. Something okay. is not right. They're not The call is the coming off. from inside the house. Okay. Cool. So attempts to kill them are often not successful as some sometimes they are tracked down only to lead to the house of the tracker or someone that the tracker knows. Yikes. Yeah. It's That's um, not good. So I have some abilities here. I just kinda noted down some of the stuff that I found interesting and will make sense. So in the abilities they have the power to read human thoughts the ability to make any human or animal noise they choose they may use the voice of a relative or cry of an infant to lure victims out of the safety of their homes because apparently i just learned this today they can't enter an inhabited home without invitation so and it says like a vampire Uh, i didn't know that so that's just new information don't answer Um, your door Yeah, so they also have... They use spells and charms to instill fear and control their victims. The use of tools, such as human bone fragments launched by blowguns. They can poison and kill the unfortunate victim. Human bone dust, which can cause paralysis and heart failure. And then they have corpse dust, which is composed of... It says ground infant bones. And then there was often twin infant bones, which was weird. And then bones from... I think it said the spine and the back of your head and they essentially just walk up to you with the powder and blow it in your face and it can cause paralysis and like just cause you to drop dead. So I'm assuming it's not just that compound. It's probably whatever magic is used. And
1: all I have to say is you better wear face masks like COVID just came back out. Oh, 100%. you are not safe.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so then there was, it says it did say that some medicine men were said to be so in tune with the flow of nature that they were often, they would take the form of a sacred totem animal totem yeah. animals are it said that they were gentle kind animals but they're not to be confused with the flesh pedestrians they're they're the good they're good people yeah. i
1: guess they wouldn't give you like the the uh, vibe
0: mm-hmm. so that's all the kind of the basic yeah shit that i have well so
1: there's good and bad flesh pedestrians no no.
0: If you're a flesh pedestrian, you're bad.
1: You're just immediately knocked mm. off. You're like so, uh, you're like put away.
0: Yeah, a medicine a medicine man who happens to be able to take the form of a sacred totem animal yeah. is not a flesh pedestrian.
1: Okay, so he's just like extra cool. Still, so
0: still magic practitioners and but they are only there for healing and the removal of curses and it said that a flesh pedestrian's like sole purpose is to spread evil and Attack people, curse, and everything like that. And I would like to at some point do, like I said, more research on this. This was very, right before the episode, but right before recording, I tried to research all of this because unfortunately I work two jobs and don't have a lot of time. And so I'm going to do a little bit more research and maybe in a later episode just come back with some more facts because I would like to know, like, where and when this, whether it be, I don't know if I want to call it folk- folklore, legend, truth originated and see if I can track down like if it's to a specific tribe or if it's to all the tribes mm-hmm. and I would just I want to learn more about indigenous people in America and their their culture in general because I feel like it deserves to be spread and learned about and taught and so anything that's willing to be taught I'm going to try to learn mm. um but with that being said I'm now going to go to Reddit so I can read the story
1: I feel like we should have like the lights off and a little spooky candle because oh, I'm going to get very creeped out. Because you <laughs> scare the shit out of me.
0: Um, so, it's titled, My Flesh Pedestrian Story. And the user is sad uh, underscore ad underscore 2051. It was posted a year ago. Um, so then we have... This is long, so forgive me for any mess ups because I do struggle to read sometimes. So it says, before I begin, I would like to say that this is a very long story. It's been something that's haunted me since I was six years old, since my first encounter with it. I've had dreams about this and two very specific encounters with the creature. I'm sharing this story so I could possibly find help on what to do or how to get rid of this creature that's been haunting me since I can remember. Just for background, I am a 21-year-old female and still worry about this creature finding me, but I'll get into detail why later. For now, here's my story. I would always go camping with my grandparents, who I call my gammy and gampy. At the end of my school years, I would always look forward to it since I grew up loving the outdoors and the woods. I especially loved camping, loving the idea of having s'mores, taking long hikes, being around the campfire, and of course, the wildlife we would see. Now, I grew up in California, mostly near cities, so the forest was like my true home to me. I always preferred being near trees and dirt rather than buildings and crowded places. Besides, the woods were much quieter and more peaceful, I always felt safe when I was there like nothing could ever hurt me but something strange would always happen at the end of the month of May I would have this recurring dream during the last week of my school year I would be in the woods walking alone down a dirt trail the woods were always strangely quiet I would continue to walk this path until I saw this red fox poke its head from behind a tree its eyes were always strangely human like but they were yellow and somehow looked like teddy bear eyes and it would just stare at me and (laughs) it wouldn't make a sound at all it would just watch me usually my dream I would go up and pet it that making the fox finally make a noise usually a soft growl then I would continue walking and it would follow me the first time I would have this dream was when I was actually around five years old and it lasted until I was about perhaps 11 over the years it would be the exact the same exact thing I would walk in the woods find this fox pet it then continue my hike with it alongside me, but about having this dream for the fourth time, it would start to walk behind me. That's when I started to feel uneasy about this it's in quote air like air quotes fox. I could hear it making odd noises, but every time I went back to look, it was just walking like nothing was wrong, even somehow giving me a smile.
1: Oh hell no
0: <laughs> Oh, there's I have
1: actual tears starting to form in my eyes and so uncomfortable. So
0: much more about the that, I have to bump to up my me.
1: lash appointment. Oh my uh, god. Okay. Yeah, so, I'm ready.
0: Said, sorry to go go on about a dream, but I now believe that it was a warning of the creature. Now that the dream is out of the way, I can talk about my first true encounter. I was six years old and was going on a camping trip with my Gammy and gampy for about a week. Of course, I was very excited for it, being able to barely keep myself in my school seat for the last day of kindergarten. They had picked me up right as the bell had rung and already had the camping trailer attached to my Gampy's truck, I remember he drove an old red truck that only had three seats. Me always being in the middle, it took about two hours to get there and another good hour to find our usual camping spot. It was deep into the woods and far from other people. As my gammy wasn't too fond of being around other people while we camped, as they were setting up the camping trailer, I wandered around the campsite. Loving to dig in the dirt for bugs, I had sat down on the dirt and started to dig, but I noticed how strangely quiet the woods were. It was never quiet, not even in the dead of night. I thought it was odd, but being only six, I didn't think too hard about it. As I continued to dig for bugs, however, I thought I heard my gamey call for me. She would usually call me Sugar Booger, that being a nickname she gave me since I was born. That's what I had heard, and it sounded like she was very far away and somewhat sick. And then it has, in quotes, sugar burger. I looked up where I heard it come from, that being from the woods, and there was no way she was there because she was still unloading stuff from the truck. Even at the age of six, it didn't feel right, so I walked closer to my grandparents and stayed next to them. I soon forgot about my weird encounter, though as we began to have fun for the rest of that day, we played card games, sat next to the campfires, we ate dinner, and stared up into the stars. I always loved seeing the stars, there never being any... Where I lived at we started to get sleepy around 9 p.m. I believe and we started to get ready for bed there were bunk beds that mean my gammy would sleep on keeping our luggage on the top bunk and we would sleep on the bottom bunk due to my gampy's snoring, he would sleep on the couch of the trailer I would always sleep next to the trailer window just in case I couldn't sleep and wanted to look outside I fell asleep pretty quickly though that being the last day of school and all it was pretty exhausting I remember waking up maybe hours later, it still being pitch black outside. It wasn't weird for me to wake up late in the night since I have had always had sleeping issues. I rolled onto my side, trying to fall back asleep until I heard Sugar Booger. My eyes immediately shot open as I heard my nickname being spoken, but I knew it wasn't either of my grandparents, they were both asleep and never were known to sleep talk before. I started to feel this horrible feeling in my gut, like whatever I was hearing wanted to really hurt me. Even at the age of six, I knew this wasn't normal. Then I started to hear tapping at the trailer window. It was soft, but loud enough for me to hear it tap, tap, tap. I just sat there, frozen in fear. I was trying to brush it off as tree branches or rain, but I just knew that wasn't it. I could tell that it was really someone or something tapping on my window. Then I decided to be brave and look. Big mistake. I pulled the curtain away to only peek, and all I saw were these large yellow eyes. They seemed glassy, yet not entirely real. They looked like giant teddy bear eyes, but cold and unwelcoming. I remember in that moment I panicked and quickly closed the curtain back up. I then hid under the blanket. That being the only thing I knew to do when I saw a monster, I could feel tears falling down my face. I've never had been so terrified in my life. I just curled up into my gammy side and clung to her all night long. That damn tapping only getting louder and more persistent throughout the night. Um I read something about if you make eye contact with a flesh pedestrian it might be able to like take on the form of you or something. I'll holla everybody next episode and let them know what That is because I can't remember. I don't know, but I'm like
1: disassociating because you have stuffed animals in this room and I'm just thinking of like dead teddy bear eyes and I'm having to leave my body and go to a different area (laughs) of like my whole life.
0: It says, I don't remember falling asleep, but somehow I did. I I do remember my gampy waking me up around noon saying how if I got up quick enough, we could still go fishing. No thanks. I honestly didn't want to leave the trailer at all, terrified that whatever I saw the night before would be out there. I did eventually go outside but I was constantly looking around horrified that whatever saw me last night would get me. My gammy immediately knew I was scared and pulled me into a hug when she saw me asking what was wrong. I did tell her what I saw and heard and surprisingly she believed me. The next thing I knew she was telling my gampy that we were moving campsites it took a bit to convince him but he did eventually start to pack up and hook the trailer onto his truck. That is such a man thing. Oh my God. I- I was put into the truck so I could properly sleep, but I just couldn't. I kept feeling that I was being watched, thinking that every little noise was that thing I saw. That if I closed my eyes, even for a second, it would get me. My gamete wasn't too far away from me when I heard it again, but this time it was my actual name. Aaliyah. In that moment, I had never seen my gamete move so fast. She looked up into the bushes where we heard it, then to me. She then got in the truck with me and pulled me into a tight, protective hug. I began to cry all over again, telling her how I wanted to just go back home. That's when my gampy got into the truck as well, and since I was sobbing so hard to the point I was coughing, he agreed we could go home. We started to head out of the campsite, still hurt that this trip had been ruined by something, but I still didn't know what. That's when something in my head told me to look back. I slowly did so, feeling an ice cold fear wash over me. As I saw something, a red fox, sitting in the middle of the campsite, sitting there with large yellow eyes, the same red fox from my dream, somehow curling its lips into an eerie smile. Mm -mm. After that encounter, we never did go back to that campsite. We did continue to camp, but in more populated areas. I didn't tell my grandma what I saw, but she had told me to trust my gut. She knew that I was sensitive to certain entities, and that would help- wait- She knew I was sensitive to certain entities, and that would help me if I trusted it. Now this would be the end of the story, but I'm afraid it isn't. There was one more encounter I had with the creature, and it was much more terrifying than the first time. The second encounter I had was when I was 17, many years later. By this time, I knew very well what a flesh pedestrian was now, and I was still very paranoid every time I went near wooded areas. I still worried about seeing that fox. But I never really thought about it too much. Me and my two younger siblings were staying at a relative's house. I can see you, like, disassociating.
1: (laughs) I need to. I'm so uncomfortable. (laughs) This is, like, my worst fear.
0: Me and my two younger siblings were staying at a relative's house for Christmas. Them living way up into a mountain area. I think they were my great aunt and uncle, but I'm not sure where they lived. There was no service at all. This is where I stopped reading the story, so I haven't... Red patches.
1: She went back into the woods multiple times in her life after this. I would be a city girl for life. For life.
0: Not a tree in sight. The
1: city girls could not even out city me if this was me. (laughs) I would be the ultimate city girl.
0: Yeah, I mean you can already barely. Like I wouldn't even be near a park.
1: There would be no greenery, no grass.
0: My puppy can be mid-poop, and if I hear the wrong noise outside at nighttime, I snatch him up, and we come back in the house.
1: I'm just bamboozled. Like, this bitch is a bad bitch in it, obviously, because she's scared, but she ain't that scared. Like, I would have coma myself to never live again. Yes. This is crazy. So. Okay, continue.
0: Anyways, I didn't mind the house, still loving the woods no matter what happened, although at night I hated how they didn't close The window curtains making it easy for anything to see inside. Are
1: you fucking kidding me?
0: But I did feel safe while inside the house knowing that they wouldn't let anything hurt us kids. Luckily, it didn't snow where they lived so we could go outside and run around. They also had this beautiful black lab being about a year old named Pam. She was very playful and normally wouldn't listen to anyone but my uncle. Although she was easily excitable, she was a good puppy. One of the days we were there, my little sister and our aunt went out to the store for a nice girls day although I'm a girl I wanted to go hiking with my uncle and my little brother. We left pretty early since the hike we were doing was four hours of walking into town. It was a really chilly morning but since we were doing so much walking it felt great. We also decided to take Pam it being a good way for her to get exercise and have fun. About maybe an hour into our walk, I started to slow down a bit, wanting to enjoy the beautiful forest. It was so peaceful, I could have honestly stayed there, but as we continued to walk, I started to feel something odd. I noticed how quiet this forest had suddenly become, hearing only our footsteps and my brother talking to our uncle. Pam noticed it too, her ears going straight, her ears going straight up and growling softly. I started to pick up my pace to get... Are you good pee. okay oh, i'm
1: so scared i'm like gonna piss myself <laughs> this is so ugh. sorry i'm like so scared i literally have to pee
0: okay <laughs> oh my God. pee break all right so we're back just so everyone's aware i was mid reading and i just look up i see jordan just waving her hand she's like stop immediately i have to pee so i'm gonna pick up where i left off from which was i'm gonna start with But as we continued to walk, I started to feel something odd. I noticed how quiet the forest had suddenly become. Hearing only our footsteps and my brother talking to our uncle, Pam noticed it too, her ears going straight up and growling softly. I started to pick up my pace to get next to my brother, worried that possibly a coyote or mountain lion was nearby. I knew, though, that they wouldn't be out at this time, though. Some of this is a little hard to read grammar-wise, but...
1: Do your okay. best. You're already creeping me yeah. out, so <laughs> so it's fine. I'm I
0: knew, I though, out. that they wouldn't be out at this time, though. Even if they weren't, they didn't walk near the roads. My little brother was only nine at that time, and being the oldest sibling, my natural instincts kicked to protect him kicked in. My uncle noticed the silence as well, telling us to stay close to him and Pam, who was now next to me and still growling. I began to feel that horrible feeling again that ice-cold fear i once felt when i was six i tried so hard not to think of the creature but it was all i could worry about i was scared i felt like i was back to being that scared little six-year-old girl again i had to stop for a moment though seeing my shoelace came undone i quickly kneeled down to tie it back up trying to hurry and just get out of there that's when i heard it Aaliyah. in that moment my heart dropped into my stomach my eyes were widened and i could just feel myself start to shake from fear It was right next to me. I heard it clear as day. I slowly turned my head and there it was, the same red fox, still having those horrid yellow eyes and that same demented smile. Only this time I saw it it much more clearly. Its fur looked so matted and disgusting. The smell it had was like rotten decaying flesh mixed with garbage. Its limbs were much too long for a normal fox, the back legs bending completely the wrong way. Those eyes were still the worst thing about it, but now they looked emptier than I had remembered. I just wanted to scream, to run, to cry, but I just couldn't. I was as frozen as I was, too scared to even blink. Then I heard it again. This time, however, it had mimicked my little brother's voice. Found you. Okay, that's horrifying. Like, some shit straight out of nightmares.
1: I'm actually might vomit. Oh my god
0: before anything else could happen Pam suddenly jumped in front of me and started to bark like mad snapping and growling so aggressively that it scared me out of my frozen trance when I looked back it was gone I used that moment to run over to my brother and uncle who didn't see what I saw as they were too far ahead now but I heard my uncle start to pray and sing a song under his breath keeping my brother and myself close to him I was just too scared to even look back so I just kept my eyes on the ground and refused to stop walking Pam had stopped barking, but she was still loudly growling and never left my side as we continued our hike. My little brother was a bit worried, but he just thought it was a coyote. When we were, well, when we finally made it into town, my uncle had called our aunt and told her to pick us up, saying something about how it wasn't safe for us to walk back. Thankfully, she did come and get us, but she was confused since we talked about that hike for days. On the car ride back, Pam never left me alone. She was right with me the entire time. She knew that thing was after me and she protected me. I was very grateful that she was with us. Who knows what would have happened if she wasn't. When we got back to the house, I was talked to by my aunt and uncle. Once I told them what happened and what I saw, they had started to pray and check that all the locks were shut tight. My aunt putting something around the doors. I now believe it was probably ashes, but I never did find out. Unfortunately, this made our Christmas vacation cut short as they were worried that I was not safe while still in the woods. We had to be taken home the next day, them making an excuse of how there was an emergency with a friend and that they had to help them out. I felt horrible that this Christmas was ruined, but once I did leave the woods, I truly felt safe again. Before they had to drive back home, though, they told me that it wasn't my fault and that luckily it didn't hurt me or the other kids. It did feel, It did make me feel a bit better, but it still... Brought me to a lot of questions and worries. It was still around. How? Why? What did it want with me? Does it want my skin? My soul? Was I just going to be tormented by this thing forever? I still don't have answers to these questions. And that's what really scares me. Now, I've long moved from California and now live in Kentucky. I do live in woods, but so far that thing hasn't found me. What the fuck? I know that seems very stupid on my part. Yes. But life had changed a lot when I was growing up. I was given no other option than to live somewhere else. And my grandpa in Kentucky was kind enough to let me live with him. So please don't call me an idiot for moving into the woods when I had no other choice. Anyways, while I'm happy it hasn't found me, I'm still worried. Can it still find me? Is it still hunting me? I'm not close to anyone who knows truly on how to get rid of this thing. And that's why I'm telling my story now so I can possibly find help. So please, if there's anyone out there who does know help me um and then so there are some comments it's like someone just said, suggested like try some protection of some kind someone commented and said for anyone that runs into these things sing with your full voice muster the courage a song of life and joy it doesn't have to have words or make sense think and feel all the experiences and memories that make you happy and sing as you notice these things are disembodied they do not have a voice but rather borrow sounds available in your brain my my two cents we have to show that we have not forgotten our connection to the higher powers from which our souls were born yeah um i'll probably go through these comments at some point after this and see if there's anything of use that's it all right after a brief pause we are back and ready for jordan's story
1: so I just want to start off by saying I'm already extremely disgusted about the previous story and uncomfortable, and mine's not going to help myself um, at all. So this is going to be great for me. Mine yeah, so also we're
0: supposed involves to pair ways. a cocktail, Oh and yeah. I do this every fucking episode, but I'm just drinking Dr. Pepper with peanut butter whiskey in it, because I'm a broke bitch, so I just threw together what I have.
1: I'm having coffee, because I'm class. <laughs> and I have to drive home. All right, so... I'm covering the case of the disappearance and death of Chris Creamers and Lizanne Froon. So, spooky.
0: Ooh. But I'm
1: very intrigued in this case and I, I I hope that there's some movement in it eventually. I don't think there will be, but I like I hope.
0: I'm going to start by asking is it recent or is it like
1: uh, it's kind of older. It's 2014.
0: That's not super It's not
1: like super old, old but it's also not like recent recent, you know. Mm. So, but Chris Kramers was 21 and Lizanne Frune was 22. They were two college students who wanted to go to Panama to volunteer and also do a six-week vacation to learn the language. A week before they left, they had just moved into a dorm together for college. And it was the first time that Lizanne was away from her family. So Chris had already kind of been away. Lizanne, that was her first time ever leaving her family. So this trip was kind of spur of the moment. Both girls were like, peace. Had never been out of the country without their family. Um, kind of crazy.
0: I've never been out of the country. Well, technically I went to Canada to go to Marineland, but that's it.
1: But you know what I mean? Like instead of taking like a trip like more local, like they were going all the way away, never being away from their families really by yeah. like far distance. Um so the decision obviously for the trip was like a huge life change. Um and the family was a little bit worried, but they were young and you know, they wanted to go and the family wasn't gonna stop them. Um they had saved up money from the restaurant that they worked at and on March 15, twenty fourteen, they arrived in Panama. The girls both kept diaries, which is kind of how a lot of background for them kind of comes out, Um, especially how, like, they saved, how they worked. Um, I didn't want to, like, quote a lot of the diary because I do have quite a lot of information, but they believe that they were scammed trying to get to, like, certain areas and, you know, like, just not a good experience. We're running behind.
0: So they were writing in their diary. That yeah, they they've... were like
1: keeping up with themselves. So like know? they were
0: like, oh, we just got scammed. Yeah,
1: like one of them, I believe it was Chris. She said they were trying to get somewhere and they needed like a ferry ride. Um, and they were like, well, we need $100 because of the type of passport you have or something. Like they just thought they were like getting like scammed. But they were like, we can't say no because we need to get there, you know. Um, So just kind of stuff like that was kind of happening. They were keeping track of it. But on the 29th, they had finally arrived in Boquit, which is where they were staying with their host family that they had for while they were going to volunteer. So they kind of did like a little bit of travel before um, from March 15th to the 29th. That's the time frame of what they were keeping in the journal. So on the 1st of April, the girls went to go volunteer, and they were basically told that they weren't needed as volunteers currently and to come and check in in a few days, which sucks because that's the whole reason that they went. Other than, you know, to learn the language, which was part of volunteering. Yeah. So kind of their whole reason. And they're like, okay, well, we'll go and make like a guided hike trip. So they got one set up for the second, which was the next day. But, you know, since now they weren't able to volunteer, they had decided to go early. Um, So they went to a local cafe to talk with people and see if anybody would be willing to go with them today. Kind of hang out and see what was going on at the nighttime. They did end up deciding to go early by themselves. Um, but they did take a dog named Blue from the restaurant owner um, to go with them to hike the Baru Volcano as well. It's also reported that they did have breakfast with two Dutchmen because they were also Dutch. Okay. Um, forgot to include that in the beginning. So for sure, they left with this dog reportedly from the people that were around and also claimed to also have had breakfast before they left with two Dutchmen. Okay. So this is the last like So they
0: happened to meet in Panama? Yes. Okay. Like
1: just happened to be their living life. So shortly after this, the girls began their hike, and they took a lot of photos. Um, Soon, only a few hours after they left, they would begin to be lost in the jungle. The owner of the cafe actually became worried about them when the dog returned without the girls, but he assumed that they just went back home. He was like, okay, maybe they just didn't bring her back, you know? like Maybe they were like, oh, you're close by, just go ahead, and like they just went their separate way. But they don't
0: know them, so... I mean, I wouldn't send my dog off with strangers to begin with. However, in the event that I did, and you... Just leave and don't bring that fucker back. I'm going to find you and I'm going to punch you in the mouth.
1: I'm just going to say I don't know how true it is that they did bring this dog with them because it's only reported and a lot of the information is muddled. Um, and I'll get a little bit further into it on why I think so. Well, actually, why so? But, you know, um, just a little bit stressful. So I think a lot of information is like a little bit weary. So I'm really not going to get into it because I do think there's quite a few reasons why the information is kind of muddled. I mean, I'm actually about to get right into it. So it wasn't the first, but it was the second. They missed their guided hike, and the host family was like, okay, they're not home. Like, the girls didn't go out all night and party, and they haven't come back. So they did report it to the police. Chris and Lizanne's parents were informed and were in Panama by the 6th of April. They did decide to offer a reward of $30,000 to whoever gave information leading to finding the girls. Mm hmm so in Panama, where $30,000 is a lot more than other places, I think it led to a lot of misinformation that kind of messes with the investigation. Okay. So I think that's why, like, you can't really trust that that much. Um, it's not even, like, people aren't even sure if that dog really exists, if it was, like, a stray dog. Like, there's just a lot of speculation because in photos that are found, um, there is nothing with the dog in it. You know what I mean? And not that you would not want to get the dog in, but you'd assume in some of the photos the dog yeah, would be caught. Yeah, especially they had
0: the dog with them.
1: Exactly. So... Not that and I don't so believe what these people are saying, but there is just a little bit of like. So we're
0: thinking that the uh, mention of money made people come forth, but yes, like, yes, which typically oh, happens, but this.
1: in this area, thirty thousand dollars would do a lot for a lot of these people. Okay. So not to say anything negative about them, but I would understand the motivation of, well, I saw them here, and you hear something from a friend, you go and report, you know. Um, so misinformation for sure and then that also leads to delays in finding them so one thing is that thankfully they did decide to do a full-scale search um, checking the woods rivers all those kinds of things um, for the girls and it lasted 10 days but sadly nothing was found but they hoped that the girls would show up you know like maybe they would just come out and figure their way out or run into somebody also on the trail and get out sadly on June 14th Ten weeks later, a local woman found a blue backpack that had belonged to the girls at the riverbank near a village of Alto Vermano. The bag was not handled with care by police. Um, they didn't like wear gloves or anything, so they didn't take anything. But at the same time, I don't know how it works out there. Like it could be different. You know what I mean? I don't know what this area is like. Never been there. Not for me. I don't know. I wouldn't go. I don't know. They did find two pairs of sunglasses, eighty-three dollars. Lizanne's passport, a water bottle, Chris's camera, two bras, and both of their phones in good condition. They were able to get information off the phone. And when this does post, though, I will put a post up of this information because it is a lot. And it actually has, like, I found somewhere, it has, like, actually, like, a chart of how these calls went. Okay. Um, so it'll make a lot more sense. Um,
0: I may have heard of this case. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. It's, it's... Like,
1: it's a pretty good one. I'm
0: going to wait till you get further in to decide yeah. whether or not I have heard of it, but go ahead. This
1: gives me, like, 411 vibes, which is actually what I really want to, like, kind of cover for it. I mean, yes. this is kind of the same, so we're both kind of on the same track with how we ended up doing this, but bear with me while I explain these call attempts. So the first attempt to call was made on Chris's phone, which is an iPhone, just for reference, it was done at 439 to 112, which for... Dutch 112, it actually, like, if you call in Panama, an out-of-line number, it'll transfer to 911 to try and get you in contact with the local operator. Okay. So it's not like these calls weren't ever going to make it to someone. If they had the service, it would go to those people. So it was going to go to the correct area. So that's not an issue with the number. And then the second call was an attempt made off of Lizanne's phone, which was a Galaxy made at 451. Neither of the calls went through because service was poor. They were in the jungle, basically. So, on April 2nd, there was a total attempt of four calls to emergency services and two signal checks. And this is around the time where the girls so start a, to what's a signal, a signal check? Basically, what is recorded is, like, they turn on their phone and, like, look at it. Don't do, They don't make any outgoing calls or anything, and then they turn it off. Okay. So, I'm assuming, like, signal and battery check.
0: So, turn it on. To look at what's like, going oh, on. Do we have do service? We have service? Oh, no, turn service. it off, conserve okay. the battery.
1: So, this is kind of when this starts, is on the second. The first, it seems like they kind of cut the phone on. The second they can record. Okay, these phones were turned off and on multiple times. Okay. Um, On the 3rd of April, there was one attempt and three signal checks made off of Chris's iPhone. On the 4th, there were a total of four signal checks. And this is the day that Lizanne's Galaxy dies. So, this kind of comes into a little bit of sketch here. Um, On the 5th and 6th, there are multiple signal checks with around 70 attempts of um, incorrect pins being put into the SIM card to be able to make calls off of Chris's phone. So... I don't know if it's because, like, different country thing. They had to put in the PIN to try and make um, calls out. Like, you could access the phone. You could not make outgoing calls without this SIM card PIN. Okay. So, 70 attempts were made between the 5th of April and the 6th to get into this phone. And whoever it was could not get in. I'm going to assume that it was Lizanne.
0: So, at this point, are we thinking that maybe... I think at this point, maybe something
1: happened to Chris. She's not able to get into her phone. And she's trying to get into it, trying to get help. Maybe, like, she... (laughs) She sadly passed or she broke something and she can't move. And Lizanne's like, well, let me go and try and run. I'll try and get service going up higher. Yeah. Um, didn't think to get the code and it's like, well, fuck it. I'm here. Let me keep trying kind of things. Um, or maybe like she's knocked out and not waking up. I don't know. But a lot of others also believe that something happened to Chris and Lizanne was trying to check the phone. And some people actually think it was another person trying to get access to the phone. Completely different. Okay. I don't know if I believe that at this point.
0: Like a third, like Yeah, like a, play. a third
1: party source is trying to do that, which could be Lucerne, like we said. Um, there is no further activity on that phone until the 11th of April, where the signal is checked twice and the phone is turned off for the last time at 11.56 a.m., with 22% battery life left.
0: Okay, so the phone was off for five days. Yes. So they're out there for almost like two weeks. Okay, and so it's off for five days, turns it on, it's checked twice. Twice. And then... Down. Turned
1: off for good. At 11.56, 22% battery left on the iPhone. Okay. So, no attempts were, like, made to put in the in the pen or anything on this today. So, other than them finding the phones, obviously, they found the camera. This kind of irritates me. They actually were able to get a lot of the photos out. Um, and it looked like just girls that were on, like, a hike together, just taking photos of each other. And then the last photo before photo 509, it looks like Chris is annoyed. Like, we're fucking lost, like, stop taking photos. Like, this isn't a fun hike anymore kind of look. Okay. Um, very relatable. If you see the photo, you're like, oh, my God, I've given my friend that look at what picture like, bitch, I'm tired and I'm not having fun anymore. <laughs> so they think that this is kind of when things went wrong when they realized, holy shit, we're really lost in the fucking jungle. This isn't fun. So the next activity is 90 photos taken in a quick succession between 1 and 4 a.m. Um, I couldn't find an exact date on them. I don't know why, I don't know why it's not reported. Maybe it is and I just couldn't find it or was missing it. They were of the surrounding area. Um, it The photos included rocks, plastic bags that were on the ground, a backpack strap, and what seems to look like the back of Chris's head. There's no injury or anything in the photo, but it's definitely the back of her head because she has like a strawberry blonde kind of color hair. So you can tell it's her hair color, it's the back of her head, and it's like right on it, like as if someone like kind of bumped into her and took a photo. The main issues with these photos is that 509 is missing. The way that it was deleted off the camera is like you have to put it into a computer and hit the delete button. It's not like it was deleted off the camera. So it was like when they were going through the photos, 509 got deleted.
0: That's fucking weird. Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't know if it was done on purpose by the police because, I mean, they didn't even do anything with the bag, like fingerprinting or any preservation. 509 could be like... Make or break for this case, honestly, because it's it will never be recovered. Like it is gone. That photo could have whoever did it's photo, or it could literally be a picture of a rock. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's no knowing what it is, but it could be make or break, and it'll maybe sadly it was literally like found. a
0: while they were looking for. It, it was like oh shit, I hit delete, and it's gone now.
1: Yeah, you know, like I don't know what it was, but it was done in a way that it could never be recovered by the sin being put in the computer and deleted. Okay. So some sources do believe that the investigators did do it on purpose for it to not hurt the tourism of the area and also to not have, like, the killer's face put out there if that is the case, um, which is kind of sad. But I, I don't want to believe that because I want to believe, like, it was an honest accident and just were like, eh, this, we're not, we won't talk about it. We won't talk about it, you know, because a lot of this information did get leaked. Like, a lot of this was not released to the press. Okay. It got leaked out. So that's why I'm saying. Like, I hope they were just kind of like, eh, scratch that, mm-hmm. like, never existed. So the police, after this was all found, they did begin to search the area of the river where the bag was found to see if they could find the girls. It was reported in the press that they found Chris's shorts neatly folded on the rocks opposite of the river where the bag was found. Like I said, these photos were leaked, um, were not meant to be released, but that was proven false. The shorts were like torn and tattered and not folded neatly. It was not a very pretty sight where they were found, but they also did find food wrappers, kind of in the area where their stuff was. The family doesn't believe that it's theirs. I'm not exactly sure why they don't believe it's their food. I mean, they only packed like water. Like they didn't plan for a long hike. Could have had like a Nature Valley bar in there, you know what I mean? But there's no guarantee. So not sure if it's theirs or not, but just wanted to put that out there because that is some information that's also out. There's no way to disprove it though also. Like there's no photos of them like eating a snack. So it kind of sucks. But too much after this search... They found a bleached pelvis and a boot that had a foot inside of it. I have heard this.
0: That's the key information that I was waiting for. Yeah. Uh, I listened to, and that's why we drink, cover this. Oh, well, that's good. But it's all fresh now because I long forgot about it. Yeah.
1: So after, well, either way, did you know, I'm still, I'm going to finish strong. Um, After testing the bones, um, they found 33 other that were scattered in the same area. It was proven to be Chris and Lizanne. Oddly. Lisa Ann's bones still had tissue on them, unlike Chris's, who were bleached. Bones don't bleached? bleached like bleached like not normal bone color, okay. and that does not happen naturally. Like there has to be so something n- that happens to nothing the bones.
0: in that area, though, could have caused it.
1: Okay. Uh huh. I don't like that. So a forensic anthropologist also looked at the bones and reported that there were no scratches found on the bones at all, which is odd as fuck. Because how are these bones scattered? And there's animals in the area. But there ain't a scratch on them. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? How does that even happen? Like, I feel like bones have to have some kind of texture to them anyway. Like, there's See, no way like, my bones are smooth in my body.
0: I was like, oh, this is just tragic. And there's, like, some accident and shit. That's Like, so, I uh, want to believe
1: it's just, like, a sad mishap. But this is just too weird.
0: That someone. Too fucking weird. It feels like someone stumbled upon them. And it was almost like a crime of opportunity. Yeah.
1: Like, oh, these girls are hurt. And whenever I'll
0: or shit. Even, oh, uh, look at these girls that aren't from here. In this country. Easy yeah, targets. Ran
1: into him on the hike or something, yeah. you know? And But I just don't understand. Let me finish this and then I can speculate for hours on this because this really bothers me. There's also no, obviously no explanation for Chris's bones being bleached. That does not happen naturally. Um, her pelvis was found broken in half and missing joint tissue that is also left with natural decomposition for years. So she doesn't even have tissue that's supposed to be there for years and they only found this a few months after she disappeared. Like, yeah. It wasn't like three years down the line. And
0: also if one, let's pretend something was the... You have in a foot air.
1: bone with tissue and mm-hmm. other bones that have tissue and others that don't have anything on the middle. Yes,
0: and let's pretend that they're in an area where the bleaching of the bones could happen naturally because of something there. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it happen to both sets of bones and not yes. just one?
1: Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so this is so sad, but many believe that the girls were killed either by someone that found them or sadly someone who just followed them in the jungle and waited to attack them, like watched them suffer, knew the area better than them. Maybe the, a tour guide, not the tour guide, but a tour guide or someone who knew it and decided to lay and wait and attack them. But either way, sadly, there are no answers for the family and most likely never will be. I think 509 honestly could break the case because why the fuck did you delete that photo? I don't feel like that was accidental. I want to believe it was accidental, though.
0: I also don't feel like that was accidental. Yeah.
1: Um, No arrests have obviously never been made, and it's been ruled an accidental death in Panama, as the girls did get lost in the wilderness. Um, I believe that something happened to Chris at the time of the photos, and Lizanne tried to find help and could not, and that's kind of why they were separated a little bit further out, too, when they found their bones. Also, a part of me believes that she might have found someone on the trail, And they were not a trustworthy person. I think there was just a lot of... They had to have found someone or someone followed them. And this is how it ended up. Was this a
0: highly traveled trail?
1: Um, The trail that they were supposed to be on was, yes. It was very popular for tourists. So it was a well-traveled path. I don't know how they ended up going off path. No one really knows. But they did get lost. And sadly, they died however they died. But there is no answer for anybody involved.
0: I am wondering if someone they so let's say they ran into someone like, and, and was like, tagged along oh, if or you go this way, it's better, or if you like, go more scenic, like more scenic, more
1: waterfalls, yeah. or something, something, and then and they was followed like, them and got them like trapped. But the only thing is, is like, why would you prey on like? <sighs> would you want to watch these girls suffer for almost like two weeks in there? You know what I mean, and then attack them like get them really weak and desperate.
0: I mean, like, people do. There are sick people out there that take pleasure in stuff like
1: that i know but i just there's just so many things that don't make fucking sense and i wish photo 509 existed and also if it was someone attacking or like a robbery gone wrong or something why the fuck would you take the 83 dollars?
0: and plus you know what um, i mean like to say that they're they were alive for the full two weeks though because there is that five day gap where then the last day the phones checked twice so maybe they were both dead by that five day gap maybe and then Like, so the person could have attacked at that point.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Like, it just, it bothers me so much. And sadly, I don't think there will ever be answers. Like, this is my, when people are like, what case would you want to find out if you could ask anything? People say John JonBenet. This is mine. I want to know.
0: Wasn't there recently, like, some weird DNA breakthrough for John JonBenet Rancy?
1: (sighs) Yeah, but they're not going to test it or something because of the dad. I don't remember what it was for her.
0: What do you mean they're not going to test it? The fuck?
1: I'll look it up right now.
0: Okay. (laughs) Well, well, she's looking that up, it, this is where I'm going to ask people to, if you happen to like our show, please leave a review on any of the platforms that you happen to listen to it on. It will, in fact, help us grow, and if you would like to support the show financially in any way, shape, or form, we do have a Patreon. It is under the C3 podcast. We have three tiers, the first tier being a dollar, where you gain access to what are going to be bonus episodes where i'm going to have two spinoffs jordan has one so far the five dollar a month tier you gain access to that and you get to ask a question or for advice and me and jordan will then give advice in a drunk manner no we are not going to be held legally responsible for ruining your life in the event you choose to take said advice and then for the fifteen dollars a month you can do both of those things as well as pick a case a topic a cocktail or all three should your heart so desire if you have any suggestions and or feedback feel free to email us at subfeed at c-3 podcast.com we do have an instagram jordan do you remember the instagram user
1: it is c.3 podcast
0: at some point i'm gonna get a facebook page set up possibly a tiktok I don't use Twitter, so it's not gonna happen for Twitter unless it's a necessity. And that's on murder. Period.